latest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan, what in the world are you doing? What am I doing? I'm practicing for the pumpkin dunk contest. What is that? Is that uh, Davy Crockett or is that the uh, early weasel skin? Weasel skin? That hat. This happens to be raccoon, the finest raccoon. With or without this hat, I'm still the best. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to have to be at your best in your men. King Kong Bundy and... Very good. And Big you, John Studd are going to have to be at their best when they meet Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant in that all-time dream tag team. Well, I'm going to explain something, pal. Even you and your small little mind will be able to understand. Here's Hulk Hogan, and here's Andre the Giant. Yeah, you can just forget about what that weasel Bobby Heenan says. Everybody knows about Andre the Giant, how Bundy, Stud broke the rules, and why they did it. Well, tonight's going to be a fair fight. I'm going to make sure that, and I just can't wait to see Andre the Giant mop up the ring with those two. That's enough talk, Hogan. Let's get some action. <laughs> Well, super rowdy Roddy Piper. You know, Roddy, you've done it this time. You've done it this time. You got Uncle Elmer and the hillbillies really steamed. And I mean steamed by the way you interrupted their wedding last time. Now me, I called it like it is. I said you were a hero for trying to stop that fiasco, Roddy. I loved it at the wedding when you said, when she took the veil off of it. Look like two carps kissing in the midst of I love that! But tell me, Rod, why are you gonna put these guys, these idiots, on your pit tonight? Well, family planning. <laughs> and also, what better place to what better place to make fools of them in front of national television? <laughs> Welcome to the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, and this is episode 21 of a show that's nearly one year old. Uh, we started last December, right around Christmas time, and today is a special Halloween episode of the show. Uh, Paula Bennett will join us a tad later, uh, but right now I'd like to introduce uh, about six foot. Nah. 195 pounds. Carney, hmm. New Jersey. Hollywood. Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? Oh, I love you for that, Steve. Not much. Uh, 195 pounds is my, uh, you know, that's my in ring. Your wrestling weight. Yeah, your wrestling. <laughs> my weight. wrestling weight. Yeah. Uh, the 235 pound Hollywood Dave Rollins, who is the podcast weight. <laughs> and um, I just uh, actually ran a mile. I just got back from that. Now I'm still a little sweaty, still a little blown up. I do it in 11 minutes, a little more, and there's some, there's some incline. There's a little bit of hills involved. So I think for a 41-year-old, 230-plus pounder, not too bad. Super heavyweight. Yeah, not, not too bad. Not I bad carry it very well. Uh, well, welcome to the show. We got a lot to do today, and the main thing we're going to do is talk about the November 2nd, 1985 Saturday Night's main event from Hershey, Pennsylvania. 
Uh, Wait a minute, brother. We can't be talking about this Hershey stuff right now. And I'm telling you, I'm 235 pounds already. We got to go the opposite direction. Well, everybody's got houses full of Hershey right now. Uh, That's right. That's right. After Halloween, Paula got so much crap that we're going to have to probably donate half of it. And that's with after eating a lot. I mean, she go, the kids these days, they don't just go trick-or-treating like on the 31st. When I was a kid, we, we, we my neighborhood was beggar's night. And then usually the next night, we'd go to grandma's house or whatever, do trick-or-treating there. So we get two days in, a couple hours worth. We'd have a ton of candy. Oh, she yeah. does that, plus a trunk-or-treat, plus a second trunk-or-treat, plus a mall event, plus a this, plus a that. I mean, she's got her costume on seven, eight times a, a season. These, these kids are going to wind up with diabetes by the time they're 12. Uh, but speaking of trunk or treats, I mentioned on a podcast, maybe the last one, maybe the one before, that we had entered our car into a trunk or treat at Paula's school, and our theme was going to be 80s wrestling. And if you're a member of our Facebook group, you, you see what we came up with. And I thought it turned out great. And here's the thing, Dave, huge hit. Uh, everyone loved it. I heard a lot of this, Dave. Mothers coming up with their kids and saying, oh, my God, I got to take a picture of this for your dad. Your dad will love this. And uh, we had the, the the show that we're covering playing on the iPad. Oh, wow. I yeah, and people part. would stop and watch it, you know, for a little That's bit, talk cool. about the wrestlers who were on. You know what was the name I heard the most besides Hulk? Like, everyone would come up, obviously, like, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan. I heard his name a lot. What do you think the second most mentioned name was? I don't know if it's a surprise or not, but. For some reason, I, go, I was a little surprised. I my guess would be Macho Man. No, Andre the Giant. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. A lot of people love the Andre the Giant LJN we had on the car. Um, we had a lot of fun with it. We set it up cool. Turned out it wasn't a competition. Um, we had went to one there before Paul went there, either last year or the year before, and there was judging. You know, it must have been last year because it was during COVID Halloween, I guess, and you. You couldn't stop. You just kind of drove through and looked. Yeah. And they gave you a bag on the way out with a little canyon or whatever. And you had to pick out what your favorite was. But they didn't do anything like that this year. And it's too bad because we would have definitely had a chance to to be at least, if not the winner, you know, first, second or third or something like that. So it was a really great success. And if you're in our Facebook group, you can see a picture uh, of the truck uh, from well, that. Def- it was really cool. I definitely appreciated the slick LJN up on the left side of the. Yeah, we had slick. Out. We had a WCW bro himself. Yeah, WCW Jimmy Hart uh, figure, which is almost exactly like the LJNs. I don't know who made their figures, but yeah, as our original San Francisco toy makers, those are the last wrestling figures Hollywood Dave Rollins collected. I threw the towel in after that, as I was too old. Yeah, we had that. We <laughs> yeah, had collect, um, collected in real, you know, real time. Right. We had some thumb. Um, guys, we had a Hulk and a Piper Thumb War type wrestling guys. We had um our Hasbro's lined up. Uh, we had uh a Hulkamania lunchbox. Like I said, we had the movie plan. Tammy got this really cool backdrop, like a crowd backdrop, and then we had the um yeah, we, I noticed that as well. Yeah, we made a ring mat with the WWF logo on it. We had ring posts and ring rope, and um, all the snacks were in a wrestling ring, like our wrestling ring we play in, and kids just walked up to the ring and picked out their snack. Went well. It was really cool. So Yeah. You, you, thank God, Steve Benny, you weren't putting a few beers away because then you might have body slammed your wife or something. In front yeah. Of, you know, all yeah. The I body slammed idea. her at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon today. Later so. on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another thing I wanted to mention today um, is I had heard about it for a while now. I've been hearing about this show on Stars called Heels. 
and I've been hearing about it and also hearing, oh, it's good that... No, wait a minute. Isn't that just CNN? Heels? Yes. Oh, I messed that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, and MS, uh, MSNBC as well. CNBC, well. I mean. CNBC. Or, I don't know. Whatever one. They're all heels. Little, little election day humor here as it's yeah. election day here in the States. Yeah, Go all ahead. those damn liberal <laughs> channels are heels. But no, I hearing that it's on stars and it's good and... The guy who wrestled the one match at SummerSlam against um, uh, Cody Rhodes' character that he was for a little bit there. Oh, Stardust. Stardust, I guess. What was that guy's name? He was like the Green Hornet. I don't uh, know. He wrestled know. Stardust in SummerSlam. Not that Steven, Steven something or other is the star of it. And um, I'm like, oh, okay, I should watch that. And finally, the other night, I got around to it, and I watched two episodes of it. And there's some good, and there was some bad, and I kind of liked it, and I kind of didn't. And then I kind of read ahead a little bit and found out where they're going and was really turned off. And I think uh-huh. I'm I think I'm bailing on it. It hasn't been renewed for season two yet. If they renew it, I'll probably finish it. If it doesn't get a season two, I probably won't waste my time. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at. Have you heard anything about this, Dave? Yeah. Um, several months ago, Kevin Hogan, big listener of our show, uh, was telling me about it. And I meant to watch it or, or get a free trial and whatever it was on. But I don't know. I guess I got distracted and I, I kind of forgot about it. But um, no, so I, I have not watched it. I was a big fan of the Netflix Glow series, at least the first two seasons. I kind of had a crush on the blonde. Yeah, I you know, loved the, Glow. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. The third season, eh, it was like, you know, you start looking down at your phone. You know, you're watching a show and you start looking at your phone a little more. Start. So it was, I kind of got that way. And unfortunately, it got canceled before the uh, fourth season. But the first two seasons, I, th- I thought were – I even take out the wrestling part. I just love the characters. So I was hoping maybe the same thing for this. But I never saw it. So I got to go maybe give it a try. It's not as good as um, – What turned you Glow, up? It's not – all right, so spoilers. Spoiler alert. You're going to have to eat a spoiler here, Dave. But That's all right. I might not get to it. I got they, a few things. They build the whole season around the girl valet winning the championship at the very end. Not just a lady wrestler, a girl valet. Like, it'll be yeah. like Elizabeth winning. She, her, she's like Elizabeth. So the show revolves around these two brothers. And their dad was a local promoter who passed away and left them the, the promotion. And the one brother's in charge. He's the older brother. And he's the champion when the show starts. And in the first episode, it's building towards his brother versus him for the belt. And the brother is the baby face in the town. Uh, and they built him as this character. And it turns out in real life, brother's really the heel and the other brother's really the face, right? So... um. And out of nowhere comes this guy who had worked in the territory a long time ago and then went to WWF is basically what they're saying and made a lot of money. And he comes back to the town to, and he says he's there to take the younger brother with him that Vince McMahon thinks he's a star. They're not saying Vince McMahon. They're saying, you know, the boss. Like and, like the like uh, Mickey Rourke, the wrestler. They didn't yeah. say it. But they're you like, knew, oh, yeah, up north. Yeah, up north. The boss up north really likes this guy and I'm here to take him with him. And instead of letting him go, the brother basically breaks his arm in the ring. Oh, wow. It's, a, it's like a, not a match. It's like real short. He just suplexes him, puts him in an arm move. He's going to break his arms. The ref calls the bell. And um, 
and I guess they that then they're gonna have a match in the the finale. They have a match at like their big show at the carnival, and they end up having a real life fight in the ring, like a shoot fight. And the girl valet steps in and climbs the ladder or whatever, takes the belt and declared the winner, and that's how it ends. Oh, yeah, that 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 sounds all right to me. I mean, I thought like the girl valet uh, like one had a wrestling match with you know one of the guys and beat him yeah. or something like that. But uh, I mean. I did. I probably would have watched it. It seemed like there wasn't much hype. I think maybe was Punk involved with it. He did something. That, yeah. Uh, was he in it? Yeah. Yeah, I think he he's in it at some point. I haven't got to the episode he's in yet, but yeah, he's in it. Um, and the star. I looked it up. Oh, I wonder if he he found young actors on the street that are working hard to put to put in the show because he's such a good guy. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Stephen Amell <laughs> is the name of the star. Uh, and he wrestled at SummerSlam one time as Green Arrow or Arrow. Green Arrow? Or really? Arrow. I don't know. He wrestled Stardust. And I have no recollection of there's that. There's also a match, Stephen Amell and Neville versus Stardust and King, Gar- King Garrett, uh, Barrett. Excuse me. That I was, know some of them. Yeah. So I don't know. Whatever. But um, this guy. What a shame how, how, how professional wrestling has come. I mean, there's been, I don't think there's been a SummerSlam I didn't watch. But you just don't remember anything from after a certain point it's not like rewatchable or anything yeah he, even there's some good stuff on it i'm not saying it's all bad but it's crazy how you just forget this the modern era steven amell plays jack spade alexander ludwig plays ace spade the younger brother who's the star prospect they're looking for kelly berglund ace of spades kelly berglund plays the um the the valet Shows some titties in the in the first episode. They're pretty nice. It's good. I'll take it. Uh, Mary McCormick, Howard Stern's wife in Private Parts, plays like oh. plays like the um, booking agent. Okay. Um, you know the the person in charge behind the scenes with the boys. Uh, James Harrison Jr., who was a uh, linebacker for the Steelers, got paralyzed on the field, but kind of healed. He's the uh, he plays a wrestler. Uh, Chris Bauer, who was um. Uh, in the Wire season two, he was Frank Sabaka, and he was also Bobby Dwyer in The Deuce. If you watch that on HBO, um, he's Wild Bill H- H- Wild Bill Hancock, the guy who comes back to, um, you know, to scout and to, definitely a, uh, definitely a territory name right there. Yeah, so that's the show. I wanted to mention it. Uh, let us know what you think of it if you like it. Like I said, I watched two and a half episodes or so. And I'm probably done. If they announce a season two, I'll find a way to finish it probably. Because then if it's, it's like good but not great. But if it gets a second season, I'll watch it and give it a chance to kind of grow into season two and see what I think. Like I said, the spoiler I found out I'm turned off on um, just kind of seems lame to me. Like, okay, that this promotion's giving their men's title to a woman who wins it in a, in a match against, you know, against men. Um, even though she doesn't technically beat them because they're fighting on their own or whatever, yeah. but if it's done right, you know, I, don't I got know. no problem with a woman beating a man. But I mean, it's got to be done right. I would prefer uh, just like, oh, she's a great wrestler. Let's start a women's division, and she's in that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the star of that, which I, I honestly, yeah, I, the hype wasn't there like it was with Glow. Like I heard about it. And then I think the stars is the it. problem, right? Stars isn't Probably. the network that Netflix is. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think that's what it is. But we'll see what happens with it in the future. All right. That's it for this segment. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break. When we come back today, the bio is Saturday night's main event. 
Um, I know we kind of talked about it and covered it a little bit, maybe way back in the beginning when we did an episode of Saturday's main event, but we'll really get into the what and how it came about. Uh, we're going to talk about the history of Hershey Arena, and then we'll find out where Hulk is as we build towards segment three and the show itself, which was the November 2nd, 1985 Saturday Night's Main Event. You good, Dave? Halloween, baby. Here we go. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins, Paula Bennett will join us later. Big show tonight. The uh, Saturday night's main event, and I think we've talked a little bit about how important this show was. And and I think it's important for the Randy Krupskis and kind of people from that generation who listen to kind of understand like how big this was to wrestling in the eighties and to our generation. I mean, I would Randy live, is a, Randy is a youngster. Yeah. He's more of my brother, Greg's age. He's about six years younger than me, five years, five, six years younger than us. Um, And, you know, I can't stress enough just how, how big it was, and I kind of wanted to get into the into the origin of it and kind of how it came about. And uh, it debuted on on May eleventh, nineteen eighty five, and it debuted in the time slot that is normally reserved for Saturday Night Live to this day. So eleven thirty to one o'clock after the news, Saturday Night Live would be on, and when it wasn't. Uh, it would be Saturday Night's main event. And it was, there was a, a time period where, um, what's the Canadian guy's name who runs Saturday Night's main event? Why can't I think of it right now? Um, Dick Ebersoff? No, the one who runs Saturday Night Live, the main guy. Oh, Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels. There was a time where Lauren Michaels had left the show. And uh, Dick Ebersoff, uh was the executive producer of it at the time. And he was friends with Vince McMahon and made a deal with Vince uh, to be the producer of Saturday Night's Main Event. And <coughs> what had prompted him is he had seen the ratings that the WWF had gotten for the Brawl for All and the war to settle the score on MTV. Um, those, shares did, those shows did so well that he was interested in bringing the WWF back to network TV. And um, it didn't. It didn't air weekly, obviously. It was a special. And they kind of settled into this pattern. They would do New Year's weekend, late February, March, uh, late April, early May, one in the fall, September, October, and Thanksgiving. Um, there was a couple times, 89 and 90, I believe, where they did one in July. 
kind of bonus additions, but that's kind of the general framework. And it was a huge success ratings-wise for NBC. Uh, the March 14th, 1987 show uh, drew an 11.6 rating. Wow. Which to this day remains the highest rating any show has ever done in that time spot. Stay in your playpen, Tony Khan. Let me, <laughs> let me say that one more time. To this day remains the highest rated show that has that ever spot. been from 11.30. That includes every single episode of Saturday Night. Live. Saturday Night Live. Not even in the days with, you know, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers, those those Chris Farley, those great days in the early 90s, or those, how about the 70s with Bill Murray and Chevy Chase? Nope. Nobody touched Andre and Hulk in the big battle royal for Saturday mo- Night's main event. Most of the run was, obviously, Vince McMahon was the host with Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, sometimes Bobby Heenan would be in Ventura's place. Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura once got into an argument and Jesse had left and it was Saturday night's main event. That was the impetus to get him back because Ebersol said he wanted Jesse uh, for the show, which caused McMahon at that point to kind of buckle on whatever they're fighting about uh, to get him back from 85 to 88 uh, obsession by an emotion uh, was the theme song with take me home by Phil Collins uh, as the end, they would use Take On Me as bumpers. They used all kinds of secular music and stuff that now they would never use because of licensing. And anyone who's watched this show exclusively on the network doesn't know because obviously it's taken out. Um, but they used all kinds of great music. And um, we, we borrowed some of them right here on a 24-inch podcast. Yeah, I, someone had asked me, you know, why do you use uh, Take Me Home? Rocco uh, Martone from New Jersey asked oh. me, and he had totally forgotten that that was the closing out song. Of- yeah, and again, if, if you're too young, you know what I mean? By uh, 88, early 88, they stopped doing that, so you would never know. You know what I mean? How, how would you know? Because any other copy, unless you have your friend gave you a tape you know, or something that he taped off television, but you would never know watching on the network or watching on the Coliseum videos. You never heard any of that. And another thing they did on the show, which was kind of really smart, well, a few things. That were kind of Dick Ebersol's um, influence. During this period, promos were always unscripted, talent-driven stuff. Saturday's main events promos were much more scripted, much tighter. Um, much the show itself was kind of much more produced. If you're looking for '80s wrestling slicker version of it, these would be the shows. The use of the graphics was incredible. The logos that they used. The production value is much more expensive, obviously, when you're using a network versus the stuff we would see on syndicated TV. Another thing, watching wrestling at the time on TV, syndicated TV, primetime, a lot of enhancement matches, jobbers. Saren's main event was a place where they had big matches, um, stuff that if you wanted to see it back then, you had to go to the arena and hope that it was going to be that group that came through that period or whatever um that's why like when someone like the a modern wrestling fan especially like the marks will look back on our era and be like whoa hulk hogan he never wrestled on any of the shows this is the show this was his show this is the show he wrestled on aside from the house shows that they'll never understand that anyway but uh this was the show he wrestled on and the cards were sort of flipped where the main events would be between 11 and 12 15 11 30 and 12 15 or 11 30 12 30 
so that they figured the most audience was up at that time. And as you and got closer is, to 1 o'clock, the quality of the matches dipped a little bit because the assumption was the audience would fall off a little bit. Genius stuff. You that's know, just really like, well thought out. That's just like Saturday Night Live. The big skits yep, would be news, at the beginning. Yeah. The and cold the open, the obviously, is like the biggest thing. And then the bigger sketches are after the monologue and, you know. Kind of the like news the pre- is that presidential stuff or whatever is yep. all at the beginning. Yeah, and church boom, boom, lady boom. would be at the cold open or at the beginning or whatever. Church lady wasn't on at eleven forty-five. You know what yeah, I mean? Same, same structure. Yeah, so just really well thought out, brilliant television. You know that brought wrestling back to the mainstream to network TV. It's one of the huge influences of Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and Vince McMahon from this era where they leveraged the the music and wrestling connection they leveraged that to get on mtv they got on tv they popped a number got the attention of nbc and dick ebersall and parlayed that into a network television show and also led to a relationship with dick ebersall that would be felt for years and dick ebersall went on to help them produce wrestlemania's and um, obviously became a partner for the XFL and the relationship between Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersall continues to this day. So um, I just wanted to really kind of go through that and kind of help people understand why Saturday Night's main event is so important to people from our generation or people who love this wrestling. Um, and if there's anything you think I left out, you know, let me know and we can go over it as well. But really an unbelievable landmark show. Um, that's main run was from ninety five or eighty five to ninety two, uh, and then it was re- revived in two thousand and six. Um, yeah, but not the same though. No, that was actually prime time in two thousand six. Yeah, uh, once the, actually, just, and there's a spinoff. Obviously, the big Hulk Andre February. Yeah, the main event. We'll talk about the main event when we cover the main event. Yeah, but that's a spinoff of Saturday Night's main event, and just. Um, you know, thinking back, even people I just run into now, oh, Dave, you know, you're the wrestling guy, whatever. They start talking about Saturday night's main event, and everybody says how hard they used to be fighting sleep, or, you know, or their mom and dad would make them oh, take yeah. a nap earlier. And, it, you know, it was a big, big, big thing, Saturday night's main event. Always had an advertisement in the TV guide. And every family in the 80s had a TV guide, brother, you know, on the coffee table. So, boom, you'd see that, that big ad with Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy's face. Hulk Hogan and Harley Race, whomever you know he's working with that night, would have that big ad and TV guide. It was just, it was just monstrous, you know. And I remember Beautiful. when my grandmother, my great grandmother, she had TV guide. We didn't have it at our house, and I would miss that ad sometimes. And I didn't know exactly when it be on, was on all the time. And there was sometimes where I'd be with my dad, and I'd be hoping it's gonna be like the news ends and. And there's just like this five second delay of like, is it going to be Saturday Night Live or is it going to be Saturday's main event? And the euphoria I felt when it would be Saturday's main event. I mean, I usually was pretty sure, you know, when I was when I was I younger, didn't always exactly know. I didn't always exactly huh. know when it was going to be on, you know. And there was one time where I fell asleep and had to watch it in the morning. You know, we had taped it, but yeah. like I fell asleep at you know eleven thirty eight. Like I just couldn't fight it. I was probably yeah, six, well, you, six years old, seven years old, you know. The the early ones, um, you know, the eighty six ones, you know, eighty five wasn't watching that. The eighty six ones, you know, a fam, my dad, my uncle, my sister, someone would tell me about it from TV Guide. 
around second, third grade, I started figuring it out myself, <laughs> looking in the TV guides and, and whatnot, you know, when, when it was coming on. And also on Superstars, they would say, coming up this weekend, uh, you know, is going to be Hulk Hogan against uh, Harley Race. And, but it won't say Saturday Night's Main Event because it was an NBC-only thing. They would just say, coming this weekend. So like, huh? What does that mean this weekend? Then you start figuring it out. Oh, right. it's going to be Saturday Night's Main Event. And Saturday Night's Main Event, up until a certain point, they finally started to in the later ones in the early 90s. But up until a certain point, they never mentioned their pay-per-views by name. They nope. never plugged anything else. It was just for that. Even though the angles were coinciding and it was building towards WrestleManias and the SummerSlams, the fans knew that. But they didn't say it, and that's very interesting. Yeah, the March Fourteenth, eighty-seven one's a great example because it's in Detroit, and it's obviously a precursor to WrestleMania three. And there's a big confrontation between Hogan and Andre in the yep. Battle Royal, and the Battle Royal ends with Hercules and Billy Jerk Haynes in the ring. You know, Correct. and every part of that show is really to build towards WrestleMania three. But the words WrestleMania three are never said during the course never of that said. show. And you, if, if if it's not like in hindsight, we know that now. Like, thinking back then, you didn't even notice it. Like, I don't even think my dad noticed it. It's just like, oh, they're not saying WrestleMania. We just know WrestleMania is coming. We know that's what they're doing, but they did not say it. Never mentioned superstars of wrestling. Didn't mention anything like that. It was just Saturday Night's Main Event. This is the world you're in right now. It was so huge, so big. And on this night, we are in Hershey, Pennsylvania for these shows, Dave, which are all usually taped. Sometimes a few days, sometimes even like up to 20 days beforehand. Correct. Uh, but this one's a quick turnaround. It was re- recorded on Halloween, I believe. Halloween night. And uh, aired on November 2nd. But it's at the Hershey Park Arena, uh, which is somewhere I worked for a week. So let's get into the arena. Um, it was built uh, in 1936. Uh, and it's still there to this day. It is the oldest uh, hockey arena in North America, and it was uh, for 64 years the home of the Hershey Bears hockey team uh, from 1938 to 2002, but now they have a new arena, which is like right there as well, so is Hershey Stadium and the Hershey Park. Giant, um, giant Center. Yeah, the Giant Center is the new arena, and then Hershey Park is right there as well, and I worked for a hockey school called the Sport International Hockey Academy. Uh, their website is uh, SIHA.com, and it was run by this guy named Bob Baldwin from Rochester, and uh, we called him Bobby Poopy Pants, yeah. and he always had a blue can in his hand, and depending on the time of day, it was a Pepsi or it was a blue light. Um, that's all he drank was, all day was long. Was a blue light? A uh, Labatt Blue, the beer. Oh, okay. a blue, A blue light, so Labatt Blue light. Labatt Blue is very, very popular beer. In Buffalo and Rochester, this part of the country, um, being so close to Canada, it's you know maybe the most popular beer in Canada, with Molson as well. Uh, people Molson. drink Molson as well. Yeah, it's strong. Uh, but yeah, uh, Labatt Blue. But he would do light, either that or Pepsi would be in his so hand. He, so he was either getting bombed or he was treating the hangover with the Pepsi. Exactly. That's all <laughs> yeah. he he was doing. And you would do a we. It's a day camp, and it was Monday through Friday, and we would be all over the country. And I would do two or three weeks at a time, come in and out, make my money to feed my Pearl Jam habit. Because I could make five, four to eight hundred dollars a week with Bobby. I'd build up a couple grand, then blow it all on Pearl Jam. 
concerts and Pearl Jam trips. And then either it's time to go back to school or it's time to go back on the road for a few more weeks. So I have money for the shows in the fall or whatever. Um, and one week I worked in Hershey Park and my students, I had, I was at the older group that week and they were all kids from a school that was also owned by the, the Hershey estate. Um, so like Hershey chocolate, the estate of Mr. Hershey owns Hershey Park and he owned the school and for good behavior, the kids were able to sign up for the camp. So I had seven kids from the school who were also technically the owners of Hershey Park, uh, you know, because anyone who is at that school, the school owns Hershey Park. Um, So like they all had passes where they could go in and out of that place all day long. I have to pay for concessions, ride the rides, whatever. Um, And they were troubled kids from across the country um, that this school is kind of like a, a lifeline for them. They'd be either ordered there by judges or. Um, I actually then later, when I was working in the schools as a social worker, got a student from Buffalo enrolled in that um, school, and it really changed his life. And he's, uh, oh. yeah, and he graduated from there, and then he graduated from Penn State, and um, he's a successful guy now. Um, and, oh, very must be a great feeling. Yeah, so it's a really uh, great thing. But anyway, my kids are from there, and um, that was my week. But the second I walked in there, the very number one thing on my mind was Saren's main event. Uh, it's all I cared about was that Saren's main event had been here. And the guy who was in charge, see, when you when you have a camp like that in a huge arena with huge stands and things like that, um, it's a little bit different than when you're at like a local arena. Uh, I think here, Holiday Twin Rinks, the one by you, Dave, Icebox, maybe, I think. I heard, whatever, the local. We have a yeah, South Mountain Arena. Yeah, whatever, like that. It's different when you're in a big arena like this. And we had a, like, I guess you call him a liaison, someone who worked for the arena that was kind of in charge of us. We get keys from him. We get supplies from him, you know, whatever. And this guy had been there uh, since the 40s or 50s, something like that. And I went right to him and said, do you remember when Saturday Night's main event was here? And he absolutely did. And he remembered when wrestling would come there in general. And he had stories about Hulk Hogan and about... Sometimes I think he didn't know the guy, and he'd be like, he'd tell me a story, and I'm like, ah, it's probably not who he said it was, but probably just a different wrestler. You know, he would screw up their names. He'd be like, you know, oh, that uh, that that um, Pitchfork Duggan, you know, or, you know, like he just saw Duggan. Yeah, he'd just screw him up a little bit, you know, like, um, oh, that um, that one guy, the main guy they had in here with the blonde hair, you know him, uh. He was um, um, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, you know, screw him up a little bit, old timer. And he showed me the dressing rooms where they uh, warmed up. He showed me where they would store the ring, showed me where the trucks would pull up, um, talked about how that was the first time it had sold out in a long time, um, how big that the crowds they would get, how bad the traffic was. Wow. Uh, but. Uh, it was mostly used for hockey and also basketball. Um, it yeah, hosted... actually, uh, they actually had the most Saturday Night's main events there at any other place. They had three. Yep, and this he is, uh, he remembered it being there. Uh, and also a bunch of uh, superstars and challenge tapings. They used this building a lot for TV. Yeah, and I mean a lot. Probably a probably a dozen times from '85 to '92 was this building used for TV one way or another. Yep, and he mentioned that how often they would be there. 
Um, it was the home of teams like the Hershey Impact, a national professional soccer league team, uh, the Ice Capades, Disney on Ice, tennis competitions, um, World Wrestling Federations, In Your House 5 was there. Pay-per-view Great in 1995. Brett against, uh, Brett against the Bulldogs. Yep. Really good main event. Uh, previously, it hosted Sarah Night's main event three, which is the one we're talking about tonight. Uh, it also, on October 13, 1953, the arena hosted an extravagant birthday celebration for President... Oh, you're asking me. Uh, Kennedy? Dwight Eisenhower. Okay. Um... <laughs> Fish performed and recorded a concert there on December 1st, 1995, which was released as a live album entitled Live Fish 12195. On September 22nd, 2012, the arena played host to its only wedding, which was held at Center Ice. Well, that's late for the arena, too. I mean, I know it's still standing, but I didn't know they uh, yeah. were still having things. Well, what happened was in 2012, they had a fire. Which damaged the yes. arena. Yes, I did know that. Yeah, well, I was in the midst of refurbishment. 3 p.m. Yeah. local time, a fire was upgraded to five alarms. Burned for two hours before being extinguished, and the roof was damaged. Uh, but reported not to be in danger of collapse, and the cause of the fire is still unknown. It looks just, that building looks just like uh, Trump Plaza, where WrestleMania 4 and 5 was, the outside. Yeah. It's like the exact same frame. Hershey Park Arena today is the home of the Lebanon Valley College ice hockey team, uh, which is a D3 hockey team. Um, That's so great that it's it's still standing. The new arena, I saw Motley Crue there in, I think it was 2009, and it was was the new arena. Yeah, it's right there. They're right next to each other. Right next to each other, correct. Yeah, the Hershey Junior Bears is a youth organization that plays hockey in in and out of there. Um, And it's also open for public skating during the fall and winter months, so you can actually go. And skate there, which is cool. Did it's, they still, when you went there? They still have those real like turquoise blue steps. That's oh yeah, what always stood out to me. Yep. Oh yeah. You always. That's how you knew it was Hershey when uh, you know Saturday Night's Event or Superstars would come on those light blue steps. So that was really cool. Yeah, a really. It's got a really cool roof. You know, no matter where you sit, you're real close. It's steep. You know, it goes kind of straight up. Um, it's not as big as some oh, of no, the arenas. No. You know, it's. I no, think no. capacity is like. Less than ten thousand. Yeah, I think it's eight thousand. Eight thousand. Maybe a little more. Yeah. Maybe a little more for wrestling because yeah. the seats on the floor. Yeah, it's like a. Uh, we got a couple. We got arena in Trenton, that size. That's for like you know minor league sports things. Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, has one. Uh, you know, they're they're around a lot. A lot of them in Pennsylvania. It's mid mid sizers. A legendary place that if you're ever in Hershey, PA, try to check it out because it. It's one of those things where it's there now, but it's probably not going to be there forever, you know, and they're doing a good job of holding on to it. I don't know if it's governed by like some kind of historical type of a thing where it will be there as long as it can stand. I don't know, uh, but it's worth checking out. Just like I have my fingers crossed about the Meadowlands over here. That's still standing. Yeah. Too, hopefully Which someday. I was able to drive. I think I might have mentioned it that I got to drive all around it. Yeah. Brendan Byrne Arena. It'll always be to me. Um, yeah, baby. All right, Dave. Uh, where was Hulk? Uh, this month. It's time for me to turn it over to you. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Halloween 1985 season. Let me think. I was in kindergarten and I was a vampire that year. Halloween 1985. But who gives a shit about that? Let's see what Hulk Hogan was doing. October 22nd, the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, Poughkeepsie, New York. It's a championship wrestling taping. Uh, this would air the week after our show. This will air on Saturday, November 9th during sweeps. 
the immortal Hulk Hogan goes over the one and only, the late great 300 plus pounds, Rusty Brooks. And during this match, Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth came to ringside before the match started. And Elizabeth actually healed out a bit and asked Hogan why he doesn't face anybody with credentials. This is the only time Liz kind of act like this. Uh, Hogan won the match, obviously. Then Savage attacked Hogan after the match, and Hogan quickly cleared the ring of him. That's kind of setting up the program going on in the house shows with uh, Hogan and Macho Man. Okay, then we're on to October 24th, Kansas City at Kemper Arena. Hulk Hogan over Big John Studd. The next night, the 25th in St. Louis at the Keel Auditorium in front of 5,000 people. Hulk Hogan over King Kong Bundy by Countout. Then we're on to our show, Halloween Night, Hershey, Pennsylvania. A sellout of 8,000 fans. There you go. Uh, this would air two nights later, albeit a few days late, as Mean Gene said. Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant against King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. Uh, then, unfortunately, the next day, uh, November 1st, uh, Rick McGraw, quick job, Rick McGraw passed away. And uh, I believe it was that weekend on Championship Wrestling that Roddy Piper did a number on him in a match. And it kind of, people kind of got confused when they heard he died. People actually kind of thought Piper killed him. I'm not trying to be funny by saying that. This is how much people believe back then. Okay, uh, same day, November 1st at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Uniondale, Long Island. Listen to this one. In 1985, Hulk Hogan over Jesse the Body Ventura. Little rare Jesse match there. He can't say that Chump Hogan never defend ducked him, brother. We go back to Nassau. Next day, Baltimore, November the second. I uh, don't have a match. Hulk Hogan in action. Mysterious opponent there. I believe it may have been Jesse again. November seventh, Rosemont Horizon in front of twelve thousand people in suburban Chicago. It's the first ever official World Wrestling Federation pay per view. The Wrestling Classic. That was a big tournament that night. Junkyard Dog ended going uh, going over in that. Savage made a really good account of himself. Really good match with Dynamite Kid on there. Uh, but for our guy, the Hulkster goes over Rowdy Roddy Piper by disqualification. This was the first, when I first got into wrestling, summer of 86, this was the first Coliseum video I rented. So this one, uh, a lot of people don't like this show, but this one holds a special place in my heart. It's one of the very few uh, Hogan Piper one-on-one matches. So what's wrong with that? Then one more we'll do. The next day in Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, 18,000 with giant sellout for Hulk Hogan to go over Jesse the Body Ventura on a awesome. countout. Awesome. 19 minutes of that. Those wow. Jesse matches caught you by surprise, right? Yeah, especially 19 minutes long. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Good for Jesse. Yeah, man. What an athlete. Payoffs. What an athlete he is. <laughs> Jay, I won't, you know. The marks are wrong about a lot of people, but uh, Jesse in the ring is a, is a little rough. Yeah. But he was good for uh, when you had Adrian as a partner, as a perfect uh, pairing there. Yeah, I mean, he's just there for charisma, right? I mean, he's not that's there. It. He's got, it covers up. But when they try to say, like, Hulk Hogan can't wrestle, that's bullshit. He's right. a good wrestler for right. a big guy. Fair. But Jesse, there's a point. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's it, brother. That's it for me. All right. I love it. All right. Well, I love this show. I can't wait to get into it. So let's take a break. Uh, and we'll be right back. Saturday night's main event, 11 Yes.
24-inch podcast back here. Saturday night's main event, number three, Hershey, PA, the historic Hershey Park Arena. We're going to get to it, break down the card, break down the Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant versus King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. But first, we got to read the news. October of 85, Dave. I know this airs in November, but it was recorded in October. We know there's a November 85 show we're going to do down the road, so it made sense to read the October news today. And it's and it's our Halloween show. And it's our Halloween show. So let's start October 1st. Israel air raid on PLO headquarters at Tunis. Just shows that those damn people have been fighting forever down there. Every latest story, I had a tuna sandwich for lunch. Delicious. Uh, chicken of the sea. October 2nd, Detroit first baseman Daryl Evans hits home run number 40 in the Tigers' 4-2 win over the Toronto Blue Jays. He's the first to record 40 home runs in both leagues, so the American cool. League and the National League. October third. I have to remember that if his name ever comes up again. Yeah, yeah. File away, <laughs> Daryl Evans. Down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, October third, the twenty-first shuttle mission Atlantis, one all military flight launched. October third, also Pope John Paul II beatifies Titus Bransma. Brands- I just hope I, while this beatifying was going on, nobody pooped their pants. Yeah, hopefully there was no no uh, no streaks. In the Vatican that day. Uh-huh. Eh, embarrassing. Uh, October 4th, Free Software Foundation is founded in Massachusetts. October nice 6th, New York Yankees knuckleballer Phil Necro becomes the 18th pitcher to win 300 games. And at 46, he becomes the oldest to pitch a shutout, beating Toronto 8 to nothing. Dave, give me one other pitcher who's won 300 games. Not a clue in the world. Give me a hint. See, here's how I would have approached this, right? There's only been 46 of them. And I just gave you one. I'm just saying, give me any of the other 46. So my guess would be, the way I would approach it is, who's the best pitcher I can think of? I'd throw his name out and hope he was one of the 46, you know? You want to try it that way? You want to try that approach? Is Nolan Ryan a pitcher? I don't know. He is a pitcher, yes. So that's my answer. You want to throw him out? Yeah. He, he has won 300 games, yes. How about that? That is How one about of them. that? Yeah. Not bad. I'll give you the exact total. All right, he all won right. 324 games for the... I think some balloons will start dropping here on top of me. Brian Express, good job. Good job. That's a good trivia. That's like Ralph Cramden uh, trivia night. All right. right. Let's see what else we got. October of uh, 87. How's some music history, Dave? Uh, Little Richard, seriously injured. In a single car accident in Los Angeles. Oh, no. Miss Molly was driving drunk. Good golly, Miss Molly. Good golly. Easy. Take it easy, little Richard. Wild man. October 11th. like a wild man. President Reagan bans the import of South African Krugerans to the U.S. Krugerans? Krugerans? I know who they are. That's Freddy Krueger's fan club. 
Oh, they yeah, the South African people, they'd be really vicious. So. The Krugerins. Yeah. Like, I, like, like how Tim is a, f- a fan of O.J. Simpson, you know, Freddy Krueger has his fans as well. Yeah, and they'd come from commit, South Africa with, with those finger things, but they would do the real ones, and they'd just be stabbing people, and Reagan's like, I can't have it. I can't have yeah, it. Yeah, those Krugerins. Yeah. Yep. The presidents nowadays would love the Krugerins, probably. Yeah, but not Ra- not old Ronnie Reagan. He's no. Like, no, hell no. Uh, hell no. Uh, October 13th, Sunday in the Park with George closes at Booth, New York City after 604 performances. Dave. Oh, I thought that was a Seinfeld episode. Did you see one of these? Sunday in the Park with George. Did you go to see that play? I must have missed that one. I missed that one. During the NLCS, Cards rookie Vince Coleman is injured stretching before the game as his left leg is caught in Bush Stadium's automated tarp. That's a wild story. It's almost like how could it even be possible, right? You know, it's like the I mean? stadium's trying to eat him or something. Yeah, it's such a baseball injury too. You know, like these baseball yeah. players, the most ridiculous. October fourteenth, New York Jets retire number twelve on a nationally televised Monday Night Football game uh, as the Jets beat the Dolphins twenty-three to seven. Who is that number twelve? Oh, I, I was going to say, I know who that is. Yeah, the great Joe Namath. Joe Namath, Willie, Willie Joe, good job, Broadway Joe. Yeah, that, that one I know, but that other one, I guess I got a little lucky. I just knew Nolan Ryan was a pitcher. I don't know, man. I, I got it. I don't think it should be that hard to name one pitcher who's pitched during the games. Because you figure if, if only 46 have done yeah. it, whoever the pitcher you think is the best pitcher probably yeah. would be on the list, right? I No, I'm just surprised that I knew uh, one of their names. You know, I knew the name, you know? Yeah, I'm glad you did. I, yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's important for someone from the United States to know at least one pitcher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just one pitcher. That's good to know. Uh, October 16th, Intel introduces a 32-bit microcomputer chip. So I'm very proud of them, Intel. Good job. Intel. They're still around, right? October 16th, the Kansas City Royals and the St. Louis Cardinals win their championship series. So they're going to be playing in the World Series. It was Cardinals 4-2 to two over the Dodgers. And the Royals beat the 4-3. to three. A non-U.S. Yeah. team. Uh, Blue Jays. Toronto Blue Jays. Wow. Not- what the hell's going on? Today? You're on a roll. <laughs> Notable thing about this World Series, first one I watched. How about that? 1985. Uh, I, the first one I remember is uh, the Mets one. Uh, next year. The next year. Uh, 1985, October 17th, Lou Pinello was named the manager of the Yankees. Eventually Ooh. would manage the Seattle Mariners as well. And played the Yankees in the 1995 wild card round. Ken Griffey Jr. scoring the winning run, ending the career of uh, the great Don Mattingly. Oh, wow. That's nice of him. Poor him. October 26th, CBS premiere of fact-based TV film Children of the Night, based on sociology student Lois Lee's expose on female crime and inconsistent enforcement of prostitution laws in Los Angeles. Never heard of that one. How about you? Never saw it, no, but it sounds interesting. October 27th, Billy Martin is fired by the Yankees for the fourth time. The great Billy Martin. I ever see that that skit, uh, you know, that thing they do on the WWF prior to WrestleMania 1? Love, Love it. Where he beats him at the a- bar, him and Gene are no, at the bar. He's- Bombed. It's yeah. He, he's really bombed. He's not putting the show on. Could you imagine you know, those two guys at a fucking bar getting bombed? Amazing stuff. Mean Gene like tells the story as an old man on one of those documentaries on on something. 
and it's it's hilarious. He's like, I show up there, and there's Billy Martin bombed with some flight <laughs> attendant. <laughs> October twenty seventh. This team routes the St. Louis Cardinals eleven to nothing to win the World Series four games to three. The MVP is Brett Saberhagen. Dave, who won the World Series? I just mentioned them one minute ago. You just said it. Right, yeah. the Royals. The Royals. That a boy. Seeing if you're listening to me there. Okay. The Royals. They're the first baseball team I liked because they're the first team I knew won the World Series. George. That happens a lot. A lot yeah. of people are like, well, why you why you and why like the Miami Dolphins? You know, football. Or something. Yeah. Oh, like, well, a, you yeah. know, when I was growing up, they had a, they won this and Dan Marino and this and that and you know shit like that or the 49ers in the late 80s, Joe Montana. I think I thought they were my favorite team, but just be, it was just like, oh, I knew that they had won the World Series. But then in 1989, when I started watching baseball every day, that's when I started to become a Braves fan. And that's, we should mention, they're going to play game six tonight. So good luck to the Braves trying to win one of the next two to become World Series champion for good the first friend, time. The, yeah, shout out to Chet. The iconic one, Chester Dzikowicz. He, uh, did I tell this story on this podcast? I think I told it on the Facebook. He, when the Braves played uh, the Yankees in the World Series in 96. Yeah, you did tell it last show. It was a, convert, a convertible. Yeah. A bunch of hot chicks passed by with Yankee stuff. And Chet stood up and his hat blew off on the highway. So it kind of like really got embarrassed. <laughs> funny, funny. God bless Chet and go Braves. October 30th, the 22nd Space Shuttle Mission Challenger launched. There's one thing this site loves. It's space launches plays and sports facts right I mean, yeah not, not a lot of pop culture not not a, not much at all they do like award shows and things like that when we go into season two i think we're going to put some time into seeing if there's a little bit of a better site for is the, it, is for it me news. like i guess i was a kid like a lot of people look back at the, the 80s seem like all fun and nothing else this seems a lot of this stuff well doesn't seem like too much i fun. think part of it is like when you're in october I bet September of 85 is filled with, like, this show premiered, this show premiered, yes, this show premiered. Like that. You know, 80, Music October TV. is kind of a little dry, I guess, because so much happens in in September. We're going to try to see if we can find maybe just a little bit of a better site for this as we go into season two. Uh, good to me. Here's a music one, though. Uh, Rockin' with the Rhythm, the second studio album by the Judds is released, and it's the Billboard Album of the Year, 1986. Who are the Judds, and what the hell is rocking with the rhythm? I have no idea. Maybe it's a, a misprint. It was a Dolly Parton album. It's supposed to be the Jugs. But, uh, no, J-U-G-G. <laughs> yes. I was, gonna, I was kidding with you. <laughs> that's funny. I was going to say, you got me there. That's hilarious. I, that It's probably country music in some way, right? I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think country became – I know country was big in like the 50s and part of the 60s, and it became big again in the 90s with Garth Brooks, 86. I don't know. Maybe I'm not a country fan. I just think I know that fact. I could be wrong. So. Yep, it's two. I'll have to look that up. Two country women. Okay. Wyona Judd and Naomi Judd. I know who they are. Oh, okay. No, they I just threw either. me off with Judds. I guess the way it was. But yeah, huh. Wyona and Naomi Judd. Of course, I know who they are. How are their jugs? Um, looks like probably B to C cup. Maybe maybe one okay. of them is a little bit bigger than the other. Okay. Redheaded broads, you know. I think I know who they are now too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the news for October news. of 1985. All right, Dave. The show. We are in Hershey Arena. And uh, it is October of 1985. October 31st, to be exact. Good old times. 
Uh, the event aired a 6.3 weight rating, so it's early in the run. The rating's building. Uh, for example, the one before this uh, was a little higher at 8.3, but the one after this is a 10.4. The next, yeah, the, the they next jump season. into the tens and high nines then for a while. And then and could you just just to kind of show comparison? I know that there wasn't as many channels there. Forget about all that stuff. But just for comparison. The wrestling now, WWE and AEW are fighting over 2.0s against 1.0s. This is a 6.3 that turns into 10s and 11s. Yep, at 11.30 I know, at night. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> at 11.30 at night. Yep. Crazy. We said it aired on November 2nd, and it was a full to the brim 8,000 people there. Um, and a really cool thing about this show, of course, is it's a themed uh, it's the first official themed Serenity main event. Now the pilot was sort of themed as well. The Mother's Day. Yeah. Um, but this one is themed. The show opens with a quick hit montage, including interviews with Bobby Heenan, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Roddy Gotta Piper, love that. and Terry Funk. Um, the Exorcist music is playing in the background. Creepy. Yep. It opens then with our our song, um, Obsession, and we welcome Vince and Jesse. Uh, and they of course have. Some B-roll of fans and in costumes, including a pretty funny Mr. Fuji costume. I don't know if you caught yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, for 1985, a couple of good ones. Yeah, some really, Fuji was really funny. Yeah. Uh, Vince takes us back to a recent episode of TV where Terry Funk uh, beat up Mel Phillips. Um, and uh, Gene then chats with Funk and Jimmy Hart in the aisle. So you see, what happened was uh, Funk did that because uh, Mel Phillips put his cowboy hat on. But what, what also happened, nobody knows about Mel Phillips was caught smelling the socks in the back before this happened. That's hilarious. So, well deserved. Surprise! It was socks, not underwear. Uh, but right, that well, le- we're trying, trying to keep this a little PG thirteen. That leads us to the first match: uh, Terry Funk with Jimmy Hart defeated Junkyard Dog in a singles match. They gave him five minutes and sixteen seconds, and I would just say, like these guys are over here really hard to the crowd. Um. And it's a little short. They didn't get to really put their whole thing in. And it kind of all builds to the end. It's kind of, I feel like this match was here for, you know, JYD to put the branding iron in Jimmy Hart's butt. You know, like that kind of feels like the whole thing is for that. You know, it was a fun brawl, um, but that's basically what what it is. And I I love that. I mean, this is gearing towards, you know, our age, kids, five to nine, five to ten. And adults, too. Like we always say, it was for everybody. But that Brandon on the butt is just, that's the icing on the cake. What little kid? It's slapstick comedy, kind of, you know, three stooges. Pee my pants. Yeah, pee my pants watching that. You know, it's the bad guy, too. And uh, it's nice to see that Elizabeth borrowed Jimmy Hart's underwear in 1988, a few years later. It's the same pair. (laughs) It is. Yeah, the red underwear. That's a good observation. Gene is then backstage with the crew getting ready for the pie-eating contest. And let's go through the wrestlers and their... uh, Outfits real quick. Uh, we got Savage and Liz, who are Tarzan and Jane. And boy, does yeah. Liz make a good Jane. Whew. She looks great here. Best uh, ever, I think. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik are Batman and Robin. Sheiky being Batman, and he's hilarious. <laughs> he did, hilarious. He, he goes, Iron Sheik, Iron Sheik. I recognize you as Batman, of all people. <laughs> I, I, find, I find that really hilarious. Every time I watch it, I pop at that comment. I don't know why. It's hilarious. Bobby Heenan is <laughs> Davy Crockett. Uh, King Kong Bundy's a hilarious Abe Lincoln. Very good. Top hat. So funny. Uh, Tito Santana Zorro. 
Hulk Hogan's Hercules. The hillbillies are the three musketeers, which is hilarious. I thought Hulk's was the weakest. His looked so like the costume he just bought real quick. Yeah, and, it looked uh, like he went to Rite know. Aid and got the plastic mask costume. Exactly. And yeah. everybody else's was kind of a little, little more work went into it. Agreed. Uh, Lou Albano was Julius Caesar. Big, sloppy, fat, sloppy pig. And Al Bundy and Albano and Bundy square off in the contest, which is one with by Albano, who then asked for another piece of pie. Beautiful stuff. Amazing. A lot of people don't realize how over Captain Lou Albano was at this period after his face turned on it. He was like the next, after Hogan, like on the cartoon and stuff, even he was a big, big deal. And it so didn't last. important. You know? yeah, it's, it, so it important. starts dying, dying down, dying down, dying down. So you got to the time he's with the Bulldogs and he retired on TV and all that stuff. It was dying down a lot by then. But at this time, he's a big, big, big deal. Yeah, very important. I mean, he's the, that very. infamous flight with Cindy Lauper is kind of you know it, man. so key. Next up is Piper's Pit. The hillbillies are waiting in the ring, sitting on a bench as the show shows footage from the last episode, which featured the wedding, uh, which Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura sort of insulted. Um, Two carps in the Mississippi River going after the same piece of corn, McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse brought that up to me at a, at a signing once because it was in 2010, Barnes, Barnes and Noble, Clifton, New Jersey, and everybody was talking. It was a political book he was selling. Everybody was talking politics to him at this book signing. I get up to him, and I have the LJN doll in the package, figure in the package for him to sign, and he starts rocking back and forth in his chair talking about wrestling with me and he brought the, he brought that comment up remember when i said that to mcmahon mcmahon told me to bury them and, and you know and he said that about the carps in the mississippi river it's great i hopefully i can if we can find a picture of me and jesse and put it up on the page if it's not already very very cool and we'll have an announcement uh later in the show the 24 inch podcasters and jesse we may cross paths uh, in a few minutes. we're gonna drop a bomb right here in a few uh few minutes Piper and Orton arrive to booze, and they start right in, just fucking with the hillbillies, uh, calling Jim Mrs. Elmer. Uh, Piper asks Elmer what went on during the wedding night and about family planning, <laughs> but Elmer tells him it's none of his business. Uh, Hillbilly Jim stands up and gets in Piper's face, and then Elmer calls out Jesse, telling him to come down and talk to his face, and Jesse does, saying he called it as big, he saw it and isn't pop, backing down. Right? Jesse, yeah. get, Jesse gets in there? Yep. Fans are into it. Orton sneaks around and hides behind Junior, and Piper shoves him over in a schoolboy trip. Hilarious. Uh, The hillbillies fire up and chase the heels (laughs) from the ring and then stomp on Jesse's hat. Um, And uh, it's really good. Really good segment. It's it's going to lead to a match, a six-man match. Perfect heel. This is the way heels are supposed to be. Just perfect. It's just a mix of everything. Adults could enjoy that. Kids are going to love it. It's just perfect. This is just perfect stuff. All right, we're backstage again with Gene, who sets up the pumpkin dunk, uh, featuring Bobby Heenan and Cousin Junior squaring off. Uh, Junkyard Dog is here, and he's dressed as a mummy. Uh, Santana, (laughs) Savage, and Liz are also there. And Heenan clearly cheats, uh, which is great. Heals his way, cheating in the... You got to love, like, talking about classic healing. Like, just cheating during Halloween games is so heal. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And he does it to take home, uh, take home the W. Uh, yeah, next, there's no way Bobby Heenan can lose to Cousin Junior in anything. Right. Next up is uh, the Hogan stuff, but we're going to save that. We'll do that last like we always do. Um, 
And that leads us to uh, Gene is in the aisle with Randy Savage and Elizabeth to talk about the Intercontinental title match. Gene asks why he chose a woman manager because that had just happened um, just before this. Um, and Savage calls him stupid. Uh, Liz says she's always loved sports and is here to help Randy Savage. Randy's ready to go. Tells Gene not to ask him questions like that ever again. And that leads us to our third match. Yeah, this is, sorry to cut you off, this is still like kind of the not totally babyface Liz yet. Kind of still, her, even the Liz in 1988 would never have wore that Halloween outfit. You know, I know she did the strip of SummerSlam or whatever. That was a special thing. But this is, she's still kind of, I think we got some questions coming up later. So we're going to uh, uh, look at this a little deeper. But she's still, they didn't know what they were going to do with her character yet. It's not till the George Steele stuff where she really becomes that damsel in distress type deal. Proceed. Exactly. That leads us to the third match of the night. It's Randy Savage with Elizabeth against Tito Santana, still the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, and it's a double countout. Uh, no title change. Four minutes and eight seconds. Obviously, these guys are going to have better matches later. Um, but it just establishes, I think, Savage and Liz, who are new to the company, and Liz especially, as a threat to Santana's title going forward. Very much so. Yep. And for our listeners, uh, these guys have awesome underrated matches at Madison Square Garden, MSG Network. Uh, th- it's April and May of 86. Then they do a tag in a cage June 86 with Bruno and Tito against Adonis and Savage. But the two, the cave match is awesome brawl. But the two matches before that, April and May, MSGs, phenomenal. Tito, yeah, everybody talks about Tito and Greg, which is also phenomenal. But these Tito Macho Man matches are, at the Garden are really good and kind of swept under the rug a bit. So take a, we're never going to be able to cover those on the 21st podcast as Hulk's not on uh, those cards. So. I'm telling you about it now. Uh, we check out some quick clips of Fuji and Steamboat practicing for their upcoming Kung Fu Challenge match. This uh, is good stuff. But first, we had to Roddy Piper's home to see how he spent Halloween. And Piper's preparing treats for the kids as Vince McMahon shows up to chat. Vince asks him how he spends Halloween in Scotland, leading to some um, Piper comments about the natives there. Uh, Piper is looking to gain revenge on trick or treaters, so he loads up packages with bricks and pulling balls as tricks for the kids. Uh, the kids arrive, and Piper welcomes the kids in, one of whom is dressed as Hulk Hogan. Uh, Piper then talks shit and slams the door, or excuse me, slams the bricks and bowling balls through their bags, busting holes in them, and then stealing all their candies. Amazing. Uh, yep. Uh, the kids leave, go outside. They're celebrating, reveling. Uh, they gave Piper chocolate-covered chili peppers. Uh, he doesn't know that yet. Back inside, Piper eats the candy, and his mouth is on fire. Wow! Leading to him <laughs> chugging water from a vase, trying oh, to kill love the it. heat. And not just... He didn't just chug a glass of water from the vase. I love stuff like that. Little yeah. touch like that. And this was like a little bit of a different WWF vignette. It almost felt like a Saturday Night Live skit a little bit. That makes a little sense. Yeah. Like, you know, Saturday Night Live skip but aimed at kids. Like I was going to say, with, this is clearly Ibersol's influence here. There you, you go. Know, yeah. The end with the hot peppers, him getting tricked. It's like the end of the Saturday Night Live skit. You know, something happens to pay off. So, yeah, this, this was really cool. I, I, one thing I don't know is who how, whose house uh, they were using there. I'd like to know that. It's always somebody's. Yeah. Howard Finkel's yeah. or somebody like yep. that. Uh, you know, that that's something for another day to find out, I guess. But, uh, 
Yeah, man, that's an A plus for me. This that's a really really good segment. Roddy was such a bad guy, and at this time, it wasn't wasn't just a bad guy in wrestling. He was a bad guy in pop culture, MTV, mm, yep. cartoons. You know, on the street, Rowdy Roddy Piper was a guy you loved to hate. He was so bad. His his heel this heel run was cut short, in my opinion. Even though I I love the the face turn and with Donis Bronco and Orton, that's when I first got into wrestling. Like I always say, I love that, but. There was so much more as as, as a dastardly heel uh, they could have done with Roddy, but it just didn't you know it didn't go that way. As he was leaving on and off for Hollywood and that kind of thing, they wanted to make him a face. I would I would imagine. Backstage, Vince chats with Hulk Hogan and they yuck it up over the kids' trick and Piper. Everyone loves that. Uh, Gene visits with Mister Fuji, who demonstrates how to break a board, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. then Gene talks to Steamboat in the aisle, and we revisit the fo- the footage of Fuji and Maraku assaulting and hanging the dragon to start all this stuff. Um, and Dragon says that tonight... Poor Fuji, Dragon. Fuji will feel the dragon tonight. Dragon gets it the worst, man. Hanged by Morocco and Fuji. Head against ddt on a concrete by Jake. Yeah. The ring bell by Savage. My goodness. He oh. knows how to get heat on him, I'll tell you that much. Well, in the end tonight, it's, it's Steamboat, who's the winner, defeating Fuji with Morocco in his corner in the Kung Fu Challenge. In three minutes and 16 seconds. Now, it's interesting because in a second, we're going to talk about the Hulk match. But it's interesting if you look at this. It's basically 20 minutes of wrestling on a 90-minute card. Um, but it's amazing. You know, so it's just a different, I, you know what? It's a different piece of TV. You know? And I love it. Yeah, oh, I got no I. problem with that. I no. watch wrestling to be entertained. Wrestling is predetermined show. It's not a real sport. It's not a this. It's not a that. This is what I like. That's just me. That's just my preference. So when all these whining and crying to fans today about work rate and this, that, that's why I, that, that does nothing to me. This because this is this is the kind of thing I like. Although, of course, like a WrestleMania three, a pay per view shouldn't be like this. But TV, this is for me. It's such a great watch, and it's because of stuff like this. We're backstage with Gene. storytelling. Gene's with the whole crew for the final challenge, the Pumpkin Pass. Which Gene and Liz demonstrate, and then they which I, I've never seen something like this at a party. Have you? No, no. The other stuff, yeah. Obviously, the bobbing for well, bobbing for apples was kind of the other, the other deal. But they kind of gimmicked it up a little bit with the pumpkins. But basically, what we have so far is the heels got one win, and the faces have one win. So this is the the rubber match, game three, in the heels versus faces challenge. Because in wrestling, everything was heels versus faces back then. Oh yeah. And um, uh, they come back. Everyone's backstage, including Vince and, and Jesse. Uh, Jesse lands his iconic big, flat, sloppy pig line. There it they is. recap the event so far. Place, place to be guys made that famous, too. Yeah. The, the contest kicks off, and the face to get five passes in until Albano drops the pumpkin right before the finish. Heels go, and they clearly cheat again, but Liz botches the pass. And cost her team to win after four passes, leading to Piper and Savage berating her. Jesse, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a moon for the camera, black panties. Yep, Jesse rants and raves over everything as the heels argue. Uh, Vince, Jesse, and Gene wrap up the show, and Jesse reminds us of his challenge for the next Saturday night's main event, which is going to be uh, a six-man match. So, um, thoughts on everything about this show? besides the Hulk match and one more thing that we're going to talk about that wasn't in the rundown that I got 
want to thank Justin from Place to Be Nation who gave me this rundown, clearly watched a network version because there was one other thing in the broadcast, which we'll talk about in a second. But everything okay. besides that and the Hogan stuff, final thoughts on this show with all that stuff. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I might go back to this one a little more so than the other ones, or maybe the top three out of the ones I go back to watch. Especially around Halloween time, I've become like an annual thing to watch this. It's so iconic. And so many still shots from this were shown in packages in the WWF in the 80s uh, to come down the line. I love how, you know, Macho Man and Liz were new to the company here. This is our first look at them on a big stage like this in the WWF on national TV. And, um, you know, it's just it's just what I grew up on. It's just it's me. I think I would like to think people that know me and would happen to stumble upon this show would think of me. Yeah, it's a part of your identity, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that, like, you know, my identity, people they meet me, they think of Pearl Jam and the Saints, and you know, maybe podcasting even now, sportscasters may become part of that. But yeah, I think very much wrestling and Hulk Hogan, huge part of your identity, and this show is kind of the the antithesis of that. Now, Paul is here with us. Paul, get on your mic for a second. Paul Amania in the house. There's one thing on here on the show that they debuted which Justin didn't mention from Place to Be Nation in his rundown because it's not in the network show. But on this night in the original airing, they aired a video, a music video that they worked on on a song from the wrestling album, uh, which came out on November 9th, 1985. So we're about one week away from the release of the wrestling album. And it's a video for Land of the 1000 Dances, which was kind of the, if you only knew from Piledriver, of the wrestling album. It's the nah, 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 nah. It was take off yeah. on that famous song. Paula, you absolutely love this video. What can you tell us about it? If you can do wrestlers just start, start stopping and they fight. Yeah, so at first, all the wrestlers, good and bad, are kind of singing along, right? And singing different parts. But then, no more kumbaya, right? It's a brawl. <laughs> it's an all-out brawl. And you love that brawl, don't you, baby? Tell the listeners about it. It's, it's about when all the wrestlers, even Hulk Hogan, yep. they like clapping and dancing, and then this like Waddy Piper says, Don't be on the camera, dog! <laughs> Piper and causing they, trouble, of course. Yeah, right? and then Pat, Pat Patterson's voice comes in. He's like, da, 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 da. I have no idea what he's saying at all. <laughs> Lots of headbutts. Paul, what do you think of this show? Like, what are some of your favorite parts of the Halloween Serenade event? Um, I like. Who has your favorite costume on it? Um, I think it was. Let's do Daddy first. Okay, well, I like, I like, I think Shiki Baby as Batman is my favorite. What's your favorite, Dave? Oh man, I mean, th- that's mine. Let me think of another. I-, I like Mean Gene saying that comment to him. I recognize you as Batman of all things. <laughs> but uh, as I thought, uh, JYD looked. Oh no, Elizabeth is my favorite. Okay, my God, yeah. uh, I thought <laughs> the. I guess um, I think the Iron Sheik. You like the Iron Sheik too? It's just okay. he's such a funny Batman. And Kid Cog Bundy as Abe Lincoln, I think, is really funny. Yeah, too. don't forget Nikolai was Robin, was Iron Sheik's Robin. Right, <laughs> which is hilarious. Which kind of goes to show who the alpha is in that team, right? 
Oh, yeah. I, th- I think everybody knew that. In the cartoon, it was even more so. And Sheik would really boss him around. Like, Nikolai, they were both, like, fumbling, bumbling bad guys. But Sheik was, like, the mo, you know, and he was the curly. Exactly. Like, of, of that in, the, in, the, in, in that deal. All <laughs> right. Well, let's get a little Hulk in. Uh, it's Hulk. Oh, yeah. What, what podcast is this again? <laughs> the Halloween? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Gene talks to Hulk, Andre, and Albano. He calls the dream team. I know it made you think of, uh, you know, our dream team, who, strangely enough, we're doing this, and they're going to be at uh, Tommy Fierro, the great Tommy Fierro store. Yeah. Here in uh, New Jersey, Stockholm, New Jersey, this Sunday afternoon. You gone? Me and, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I will be there. I will be there or be square. Without a doubt, I'll be there. Uh, I don't, I, I've met Greg and Brutus plenty of times, but I don't have a picture with the both of them together. So I'm hoping that's going to work out in, in my favor. Uh, Hogan starts to fire up, but Andre cuts him off because Andre's the boss. And he says, enough's enough. It's time to fight. Uh, Hogan, Andre, Stud, and Bundy. Great uh, continuation of Andre's feud with the Heenan family as he's been running through partners and comrades before uh, finally pairing up with Hogan to end the last show. Uh, The crowd is ready for Hogan and Andre, and it's really cool seeing them together here. Uh, Jesse says he's surprised Albano can even walk after slobbering his way through the pies. Uh, <laughs> Hogan and Bundy open things up uh, with Hogan uh, rattling Bundy with a shoulder block and then nearly slamming him before buckling back down. Hogan fights off an attack with a big flurry of strikes before tagging in Andre. The boss chokes away at Bundy and Jesse rips the referee for allowing it. Hogan tags in and lands an axe blow off the middle rope, but Stud is able to grab Hogan from the corner. Uh, leading to double teams and stud tags in and hits a shoulder back as Jesse rants about Piper's pit and says he's open to stepping into the ring in the next Saturday's main event to team with Piper against the Hillbillies. Uh, Hogan takes back over and then tags in Andre, who unloads chops and punches before accidentally hitting the referee. Everything breaks down into a break brawl with Hogan and Andre cleaning house as a new referee arrives, taking us to a break. When they return, see, this is another thing. Sarah's main event would come up with all these incredibly sneaky ways to split the matches up so they could put a commercial in the beginning, in the middle of them. Yeah. You know, they would throw someone out from ringside or a referee would get hurt. Or you Remember when, when Bad News Brown got, went back and got that big shovel? In yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one came to mind immediately. And they would be like, and, and, and Vince would be like, we'll be right back to sort this. You know, this is going to get sorted yeah. out. And yeah. no, no one get counted out or anything. It'd just be like they'd be they'd have to settle this thing so they could get the match going again. And instead of just having someone in a headlock and going through a break like right. they do now. Yeah, no, they uh, they found these incredible ways to do it, which I love. Um, I when they returned, Hogan's working stud over and tagged Andre back in. Andre controlled for a moment, but got knocked into the ropes, leading to him being tied up, which he obviously loves that spot. I know this. I've heard many different people say, "Yeah, hey, I love that." A lot of this is used in the Real American video, too. A lot of clips from this match. Uh, Stud and Bundy quickly go to work, double-teaming both men, crushing Hogan with a splash, and then punching away at Andre until the referee called for the DQ. Hogan's fired up, and he and Andre clean house. Uh, Really cool for a show like this. And it's more of a happening than a match, says Justin in his notes here. Uh, Just a way to showcase the top players and have a hook for the show. Um, basically a squash with an indecisive finish. The heat was great, but he says there wasn't much to the match itself. That's Justin Rosero's opinion. He gave it one and a half stars, which I'm going to have to disagree. 
Um, but that's uh, that's the match. Uh, they gave it eight minutes um, is the official time on it. The longest match of the night uh, by 30 seconds. Oh, excuse me. That was four. They gave it eight minutes the longest match of the night by three minutes. The next longest match was five minutes, the first one. Um, so they gave him the time relative to the show. And I thought they put on a very good um, performance here. I'm going to give it three stars relative to Hogan matches. Just because of how big it is and how important it feels. And, you know, maybe I could see relative to all matches, it's more of like a two-star. Um, you know, when you when you start considering, like, you know, Steamboat Savage on the scale. Uh, yeah. But relative to Hogan... I give it a little boost because it's, it's it's him with Andre together on national TV as partners. And there's just something so important about that. And um, I just thought they told a fun story that fits really well in the show, too. Like, in this show, you couldn't have had, like, you couldn't have run the angle where Hogan's ribs got broken like they do a little bit no. later. You know, like, it needed to stay light in a way. You know, it couldn't be real well, decisive or anything. Yeah. So that's my thoughts, Dave. I'm going to slightly disagree with that, but not too much, slightly. Uh, I'm going to go two and a half on it, um, in re- even in regards to the same, to we're, in the same we're in the same, same ballpark. Same ballpark. Yeah. But I think in in hindsight now, this such an Andre and Hogan as a team against, of all people, Stud and Bundy, I think it gets a little lost in the Halloween shuffle. If this, if this match was on... The Saturday Night's main event before this, and the Nick Hogan fought Nikolai on the Halloween one, like something like that, just like a big Hogan win party night, like a big serious match like this. It's great, you know. It was great. It was it was you know action and everything everything you would expect. Uh, but I think it just gets a little bit lost in the the, the Halloween thing. You, I, when you think of a Saturday Night's main event that had Hogan and Andre against Stud and Bundy. That's what you should be thinking of. But well, no, I think we think, that's we think what, of Halloween. I think that's what Justin's kind of saying when he says yeah. in his notes that it's more of a happening than a match. Yeah, I mean, they could, they could have put a whole Saturday Night's Main Event theme, the giant of Saturday, the biggest Saturday Night's Main Event ever, Hogan and Andre against, you know, so it's kind of lost in a shuffle, but nothing but fun, fun, fun. And I like that even in the WrestleMania 3 buildup, they go back to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Showing that they teamed up, showing that... The, the beginning of the intro, when Hogan was talking, Andre comes up and slaps him on the chest and goes, that's enough talk, Hogan, let's go to the ring. Now, I'm sure that's a happy accident. I don't know if they were planning to use that a year and a half later. Uh, you know, it's one of those happy accidents like Danny Davis, referee in the Savage Tito Santana title change. Good point. You know what I yep. mean? But, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of good things here, but I'm only, usually I'm in the threes uh, for, you know, Saturday Night's maybe Hogan's Hogan matches, but I'm a little lower just because of the the lost in the shuffle aspect. And I also wanted to make mention, uh, this is the one of the last times Hogan uses I had a tiger before moving over to real American. This was, uh, the period where, I mean, obviously we know he used I had a tiger from the get go in 1984. Then in September 85, he switched over to that rock and wrestling Hulk Hogan's theme from the wrestling album. Uh, now this is the period here that only lasted for about a month, month and a half. And this is the period here where he went back to Eye of the Tiger at the end. He still uses it at the Wrestling Classic the following week. But by the time we get to uh, December at the Garden and the next Saturday Night's Bay event, we're on to Real American. Which was also on the wrestling album, which comes out the first week in November, which sure the is. video is part of. You know, I it's sort of sacrilege to say. I'm not going to say I like Eye of the Tiger better. But I'll say this. If he never switched to Real American, if that never... Like, let's say the U.S. Express actually used it. 
and it was just their song and they stayed and you know they were a, a more important part of the show going on and Hogan was just always I I the tiger and they licensed it the way they like do a CM Punk yeah that, they would have had to license it it would have been awesome still like it's an awesome song for Hulk yeah and, and well, I think really... real, real American goes with the growth of Hulk I think I the tiger is perfect for this Hulk and it would have been perfect for Hulk even maybe up to WrestleMania three ish but I think after that his character kind of molded into real american somehow it's it's hard to explain no i know what you're saying with you know the feud eventually against like say uh slaughter it's so perfect for that or you know whatever like the the pacing of the song hogan wasn't as like justin them always say how he does this brawling style in 84 85 that people don't give him credit for that's like i had a tiger hulk you know what i mean well maybe 87 ish 88 ish you know maybe that morphing if he doesn't ever change maybe his style doesn't change as much either. That could you be know, too. maybe that 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 this Hulk, the Hogan that is the eye of the Tiger Hogan, maybe that lasts a little bit longer. And look, it's really a really great song for him. Obviously, the tie-in to Stallone too. Um, yes, you know this being from Rocky Three, uh, and also Hogan being in the Rocky Three. Um, obviously, there's a tie-in there, and it just when we were putting this podcast together. I wanted it for the beginning because I feel like it really does kind of build, you know, it builds to a crescendo there that really takes off. And, you know, I think maybe I'm saying that in a, in a perfect world, I, the tiger would always be the song he walked down to and real American would always be the song at the end that he posed to or something That's like that. That's interesting. That's an interesting you know point. I mean? the only, only wrestler to have two different uh, entrance uh, entrance song, one song, then after he would win the match, it would be a different song was that I can remember was Mankind when he first came Right, around. yeah, very, very good uh, point. But that could have been cool maybe long term yeah. to have Hulk, um, you know, always pose at the end to real American oh. and use Eye of the Tiger to get pumped up for the yeah. match, you know, like that kind of a thing. Before but, I forget, the, the yeah. last ever time he used Eye of Tiger, not in the wrestling ring, but uh, an American Idol in around 2012, maybe? Something, I don't wasn't really an avid watcher of that show. Here and there, I'd pop in and out. Uh, they introduced Hulk. Who's the guy that does it? The little skinny Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. He, uh, you know, something happened, and Hulk Hogan, Eye of Tiger started playing, and out comes Hulk Hogan and you know, pretends to beat up Ryan Seacrest. I thought that was awesome. That one more time, I had a tiger play for for the Hulkster. Clearly, the greatest moment in American Idol history. I, in my opinion, yes. Yeah, I mean, what could be second place being Carrie Underwood singing "Hearts Alone" uh, to, pal- to propel her, her to uh, eventual victory in that season? But Tim ended up becoming friends with uh, Chris Daughtry. That came, that came out of that. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of his music, really. Yeah, yeah. So if it's on the radio, I'm not going to shout it. All. You know, I got no problem with it. But I'm not going to go buy his album when you bought albums either. If anyone has an opinion on Hogan's themes and wants to reach out, we'll gladly read them on our next show. Um, That's cool. You know, two four inch podcast on Twitter. Uh, I've mentioned something on the face group. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll even start a thread on this in the Facebook group. If anyone has any opinions they want to well, share, well, also that later on, American Made and then. NWO, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, Voodoo Child, you know, goes down the line. Of course. All right. Well, that's it. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Paul is going to join us again. Uh, we got some emails. We got a big announcement about the 24-inch podcast on tour. Uh, and Whoa. Uh, yeah. 
And uh, also, we're going to do plugs and um, announce the show for the next week and the rest of the year. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. Yes. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. Welcome to the 24 and Podcast. Papa here and Daddy here and Dave. Daddy, do you have some plugs? I do have some plugs. <laughs> Nicely done, Paula. <laughs> Don't forget you can find this episode and all episodes of the 24-inch podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find us on Instagram. And on Instagram, we are at the number two, the number four underscore inch underscore podcast you can find us on twitter we are at the number two the number four underscore or no there's no underscore on it on twitter right dave it's just two four inch podcasts two four inch podcast on there and then you can email us we're two four inch podcast at gmail.com and uh email is a great way to get a hold of us and so is palling around in our facebook group page which is really fun all nice people no fighting or any drama like that. Just really nice people sharing wrestling memes, information about the podcast, cool posts from the era. Everyone really gets along and likes it a lot. Go to Facebook, search the 24-inch podcast, and request to join, and we'll get you in there right away. We'd love to have you. Don't forget to check out the 24-inch podcast, Brother, uh, the Sportscasters. Uh, you can find that at the same place, the same SoundCloud page, of course. And for more information about that, at sports underscore casters. Uh, the episode this week features Jonathan Vilma, former New York Jets and New Orleans Saints linebacker and member of the 2009 New Orleans Saints Super Bowl champions and now broadcaster on Fox, makes his sportscasters debut. Uh, and also an interview with a guy named Rich Podolsky, uh, who wrote a book about the NFL today, back in the day, uh, with Jimmy the Greek. And Brent Musburger. Me the Greek. Um, you can also check out our. I like and I like that how that's not our sister show. That's our brother. Brother, show. yeah, brother. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out Greetings from Allentown with our good friend Peter Winson at GF Allentown Pod. There, uh, they did a two-part thing on SummerSlam '91. Of course, that was. Um, not greetings from Allentown proper, but greetings from Allentown live with Keithy. Yeah, and they've, they've been going right through the TVs of that era too. Uh, the summer of nineteen ninety one. I've, I've been enjoying that very much. Yes, yeah, a so, lot of great TV. It's like that mini Attitude era. They were starting there. A lot of crazy angles. Yeah, really good stuff. Check out greetings from Allentown. Uh, also, I want to mention one more time the Place to Be Nation podcast. Uh, they restarted their. Their latest episode is the first episode after the Reboot Project. 
Forget that one. Go back one episode and check out the one I hosted, which was the conclusion of the Reboot Project. And then um, I'll be on there again soon. I'll let you know when. And also I'm going to be on the Place to Be Nation pop feed watching the movie Opportunity Knocks. Oh, wow. uh, With Andy Atherton. I think it's called the pop. I don't know the name of the podcast, to be honest. But if you go to the pop feed, it'll show up there. Um, anything else to plug? I don't think so, Dave. Uh, so why don't you start us with the first email because Paula is on a toilet. Paula's on the toilet. Hey, it's after school. Right? It's a different day. This is a weekday. It's during the day. So we yep. got to give her a chance there to relieve herself after a long, hard day. All right. What's the so, first uh, one? Let's start off with the incomparable one, Tim Mangione. Out there Timmy. in California. Look out! Being, a, being this, just the strangest person in the world, and we love you for that. Okay, Tim, here we go. Uh, he wants to know. He was watching clips on YouTube and discovered something about an NBC special from the 99-2000 era of WCW. What do you recall about this? I recall a lot about it, Tim, but I actually um, I'd screwed up. In my brain, when this was happening in, in real time in 1999, the rumor and innuendo that I heard... It was supposed to be on Fox, but uh, the research that I've done since and, and podcast 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff and whatnot, it indeed was NBC. And you're asking this question because we just covered a Saturday night's main event, I presume. And uh, yes, uh, what they were going to do is they it was like scheduled to have a uh, run on Valentine's Day, 1999, against the big WWF pay-per-view. St. Valentine's Day Massacre was on pay-per-view. That's when this big show came up through the ring and threw Austin out the cage. WCW was going to have a free special on NBC to go against that. And then they were even going to have one on WrestleMania Sunday, like the old days with the Clash. And that is the reason why they put the title back on Hogan with the finger poke of doom, because NBC wanted to have Goldberg against Hogan on free TV go up against WrestleMania. What happened, why it didn't happen, there was an NBA lockout at the time. And I guess that ended. Whatever happened, NBA was back on. So bye-bye, WCW. Sorry about that. Wow. But I didn't something. know anything if, about that. Yeah. yeah. If that NBA lockout continued or whatever, WCW may not have went out of business in 2001 if they were running specials on NBC. You know what I mean? And right. two years prior, I mean, I don't know. That's something to Wild. think about right Yeah, there. I didn't know anything about that at all. That's cool. Yeah, great, great question, Tim. Good information. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, Paula, do you got your first email today? Uh, yeah, and I don't know what to read it. Oh, you need me to read it? Okay. Willow sends us an email today. She says, hey, Paula, I was at your trunk or treat at your school the other day, and I noticed that you had all these different wrestlers out. And I don't know about as much about wrestling as you and Uncle Steve. So I was wondering, besides the main guys, who are some of your favorite wrestlers from the era? Can I start? Sure. So she's looking, I think, Dave and Paula, I think from this email from Willow, knowing her the way I do. I think she's looking for some guys outside of the main events, the, um, the guys everyone knows, that are some of the favorites from this era. I from the 80s. Yeah. All right, tell her. Who do you like? Right, talk right into I your microphone. love Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay, he's definitely a main eventer. So she wants someone even lower than that. You know what I mean? Someone like, here's a good one. Someone I like. I like Leaping Lanny Poffo. You know, I think he's a really cool, he's got two different characters. The Leaping Lanny guy who throws the Frisbees. 
and he's also got uh, the genius. And I think both of those characters are good. I think he's an underrated performer and wrestler. Uh, he would be one I like. You know who I know you like, Paul, that's maybe a little bit mm-hmm. down off of the main, and I know you're a fan of him because um, I know we always watch his match uh, a little bit. Uh, it's the Honky Tonk Man. You like the Honky Tonk Man, right? Why don't you talk about Honky a little bit? He, he, <laughs> I forgot. He, um, my chair's over here. Okay, what do you got about Honky Tonk? Um, I, I like that he, his song, and I like that he, that the, and I like his dance. Can you sing a little bit of his song for us? I'm the Honky Tonk Man, I'm the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> I don't, that's the I'm what? I'm cool. I'm hockey. And I'm, I'm bad. 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 You sound better than the hockey sock man. What about you, I'm Dave? Cool. I'm hot. Okay, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you a couple guys that be a. Um, cool. Aha. I suck you in the summit one more time. Oh, yeah, it's from Big, right? right? Yeah. I keep forgetting. <laughs> you getting your songs Whoa, crossed up. We were just watching good movie. Big last night, yeah. Same, exact same error, too. Yeah. 88. Shimmy, shimmy, Coco Pup. Shimmy, fire. shimmy, rock. Yeah. yeah. Ice cream soda pop vanilla on the top. Wonderful. Who do you got? This is this is a kid. This is a kid that's being raised right. <laughs> that's right. That's hundred percent, brother. Who do you got? Okay, uh, some of my guys. You know, they may have been. They have been in main events, house shows, etc. Well, of I know course. Going, but yeah. But especially with I saying honky. Yeah. Uh, guy, we're gonna talk about in a few moments from now. Uh, Adrian Adonis. Oh, I love him. I love his work in the ring. Is just phenomenal. He's a, he's a he's a good promo. Uh, such a bad guy. I mean, he is, I'm sure we would have saw a lot more of him if his life wasn't cut short. I love the way he bumps. This bumping, too. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Him and Another one, Playboy Buddy Rose. I like all the fat guys. No wonder why I'm getting fat. <laughs> Old age. Same reasons, Playboy Buddy Rose. He was down on the card more than uh, Donis. You know, Donis was, was a bigger star. But uh, Buddy Rose, same thing. Uh, other different kind of guys. I've always been a Hillbilly Jim fan. I think he uh, he always made me happy as a kid. Still makes me happy now. You know, never going to be the world champion. Never going to be intercontinental champion. But good guy in the card. Uh, Duggan, who nah, that might be a main guy. But if you threw hockey in there, Duggan, same thing. Such I love when he was a brawler and uh, you know a serious brawler a little more. Then he became a little silly. But you know, your grandmother loved him. So uh, I don't want to keep you here all days. There's those ones, uh, those guys. S.D. Jones. As for the preliminary wrestlers, uh, I was always a fan as well. Yeah, I mentioned that I really liked um, Leap and Lanny, and I also really like some of the tag teams that weren't the main ones. Like, I like the Rougeau Brothers and the Killer Bees, and, like, I just love that whole era of tag team wrestling. Yeah, Paul. Absolutely. I like the Bulldog, too. The Bulldogs. We forgot that one. The British Bulldogs are probably our favorite. Yep. Yeah. All right. Lots to learn yet for you, little Willow, but we'll keep... Uh, yeah, uh, Willow, We I could go... All, of, all three of us could go on and on and on and on and keep you all day. Those just... Those guys just came to my head. All right. right from now. the Facebook group, we got some questions on Facebook. And our friend John Arsenio D'Amato, as he goes in the Facebook world. Paula. Legend. This Legendary one's for figure. you and me and Dave. How come Jesse wasn't surprised that Captain Lou Albano won the pie-eating contest? Paula, you want to answer that one first? Because he was just like. Because he's a big fat guy, right? <laughs> yeah. He, you got to remember, people can't see you. You got to say what you're doing. He's just shoveling the food in his mouth, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? 
Yeah, I think the answer D'Amato was uh, looking for there. I didn't write it. Want to write it down? So I don't ruin it. I think he wants the big sloppy pig. That's what he calls him. I think um, uh, Justin and uh, Scott like to refer to that uh, that segment all the time. Uh, big sloppy pig, Albano is. So he wasn't surprised. <laughs> wasn't surprised he won there. And Lou even said, "Give me another piece of pie, Gene." You know, after it was all, all said and done. Good stuff. All right, another one from our friend Fred Nichols, who Paula wants Ooh. to say thank you to for the donation. Tell him, Paula. Speak right into that microphone and thank Fred. Thank you, Fred. Tell him you're going to dance your butt off for him, right? <laughs> I want to try to dance my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Fred, I, I'm going to read this for the listeners because this is pretty clever, I thought. Uh, Fred made the donation and he said this. So many of our dreams at first seem impossible. Then they seem improbable. And then we summon the will. They soon become inevitable. Wow. Very nice words. Very nice. Now those words were for me or Paula? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they're words for all of us to live by, right? Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Thank you, Fred. We love you. Yeah, all right. He says I just watched a show recently <laughs> and hearing the way people have talked about Savage being overprotective of Liz and making a big deal about guys touching her. But then you see something like the outfit she had on here and Piper getting pretty physical with her. Do you think he was as bad as some guys made him out to be? I mean, seriously, she was half naked at SummerSlam 88. What do you think, Paul? Was Macho as, as uh, protective as Liz as people say, or do you think he was just being a wrestler and playing a character? What do you think? Right in the mic. I think he was just trying to be protective because that George animal deal. <laughs> right. What was George always trying to do? Take Liz away, take Liz away. Right. At least she's in the it's arms. There's someone who care for her. <laughs> right. So I do see that point that, you know, some of these wrestlers are ruthless. And, you know, you got to keep an eye oh, on Oh, is it with down that aisle? Yep. Yeah. Is it down well, the aisle? What I, <laughs> Go what ahead, I think about that, yeah. When, yeah, Fred, what I think about that, that's a great question. Well, there were only, you know, Elizabeth had only been around for if two months, if that, at this point. So maybe it was building up. She came in this outfit and probably all the boys were chip, chip, chip. Who wouldn't be? She looked fantastic here. Yeah, she looks and amazing. Everybody was probably whispering off to the side, maybe not even whispering. You know what I mean? So this could be where some of that stemmed from. And then Piper kind of got, seemed like when they were doing that apple apple toss thing, Piper kind of got a feel of a boob there. And then her, her, her butt went right into the TV screen. You know, I'm sure Savage watched that back. And uh, maybe this is where that all seemed to start. And then the SummerSlam thing, I think I said this on a prior podcast here. I think that backfired on them because they wanted her in a bikini, which would have looked like every other girl in a bikini, you know, on, on the beach that summer. Yeah. But it ended up her covering her, underwear. her up more yeah. looked like panties. It yep. looked a little more provocative that way. Agreed. Sometimes less less became more in this situation. If they just did the bikini, eh, you know what I mean? Oh, she's in there, look, there's a girl in a bikini. You know what I mean? So I think this that made it, even though you saw less, it seemed like more with the panty situation. That backfired on, yeah. I will say right this, there. though, Dave, and, and I think this is kind of what Fred's getting at, too. You watch things like that hit piece that they put out oh, on a and and the way idiots like Peter Rosenberg talk about the Macho oh, Man. I can't like, stand that guy. Oh, the door was locked, and oh, he did. No, you know, and it wasn't spousal abuse the way he talked to her when he was doing the interviews with Mean Gene any of that. That was all part of the show. People forget that Macho Man was playing a Macho Man. 
right? And that a lot of what they seen on TV was not indicative of how he treated her in real life. Yeah, that's revisionist history now. The yeah. People didn't, didn't watch back then all the snowflakes, brother. They go back and watch it. Oh, look what he's doing. He's telling her to move from one corner to the other. He's yelling at her. Yeah, that's the gimmick, dude. Yeah. A, you know? A lot of that is absolutely overblown. Paul, do you got another one? You want me to read one of the ones from Tammy for you? Okay. All right. Paul's got another email that was sent to her for all of us uh, from Tammy right. uh, Bennett, who I'm familiar with. Hello, Tammy. Well. Hello to Tammy. Uh, she says, I asked you on a recent episode, who dresses better, the lovely Miss Elizabeth or Cindy Lauper? And it really got me thinking, who dresses better, the lovely Miss Elizabeth or Macho's other valet, Scary Sherry? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Paul, who do you think is a better dresser, Miss Elizabeth or Sherry? You got to talk right in your microphone or it doesn't work, baby. Also, the... Um, Who dresses better? The lovely Elizabeth or Sherry? Who do you think does their makeup better? Elizabeth or Sherry? Elizabeth. Elizabeth? What do you think, Dave? Well, Tammy, to go along with our Halloween theme episode here, I'll go with Sherry. But Ooh. any other week, any other week, Elizabeth would be the answer because <laughs> Sherry dressed for Halloween every day of the year. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. If you catch her on Halloween, maybe you're right. But it is our Halloween show. I think the kids want to. She says, "Wear something black. Wear something black. Wear something black." Yeah. Every year. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got another one on Facebook. This is from our good friend Randy Krupski, a good kid, a uh, good father, good dad, good hockey player. I need Hello, to know Randy. how Hulkster survived the debut of the Yeti at Halloween Whoa. Havoc. Devastating stuff. Dave, this is all for you. I have no idea Whoa. what he's talking about. So. Oh, you don't? Yeah. My God. Okay, well, uh, WCW, you know, the whole Dungeon of Doom thing. They had the big monster truck battle on top of Cobo Hall in Detroit. And then the giant jumped Hulk on the roof. And Hulk accidentally shoved the giant off the roof, killing him. Then all of a sudden, Hulk's back in the ring to get ready for his, his match with the giant. And apologize for killing him then the giant walks out nobody explained this is crazy overbooked stuff but uh i enjoy it but i mean i could see why people laugh at it it's kind of probably just making a mistake he didn't know this is one of the yeah this is one of those exactly this is so bad it's good it becomes good uh the yete is supposed to be uh it was ron reese who the wrestler was but He's supposed to. He broke out of a block of ice on the nitro before it. Okay, I, and, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so he's yeah. supposed to be like from the Arctic or whatever that whatever you want to say. But then he comes out wrapped in the mummy, and like the giants bear hugging Hogan, and Yeti comes from behind. It looks like he's, he's you know we got a young lady on there. It didn't look like a we got a young lady on the on the line with us. What I'm saying. It looked like you know you know what I'm saying. It looked like the sure. giant Yeti was behind Hogan, so that yeah. that became like the big running joke. And everything. And then uh, you have Luger turning heel on the side of the ring. The camera doesn't even catch it. It's a big cluster mess. And, um, you know, but Hogan's in all black before he turned bad. Dark side Hulkamania. It'll be a very fun show to cover someday. It's 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 a lot of a lot of laughs. Let's, just, let's yeah. put it that way. I'll have to do that. Show me some, like, what happened when he was, like, all black. Yeah, I have showed you that. Yeah. Definitely a good show for a uh, young Paula's age. She might get a kick out of a lot of stuff. They're very aimed for WCW went, you know, towards the NWO, towards the, uh, you know, teenage to adult audience. 
uh, they were really going for this whole, you know, try to reenact 1986 in WCW, and you, you can't reenact 1986. So, we do have one more email, and it's from a guy named Lucas Calhoun who emailed us on Gmail two four inch podcast at gmail.com. Any relation to Haystacks? Yes, it's his nephew. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's saying, uh, I was hoping you guys could cover this card, and it's from the Philadelphia Spectrum. Uh, July 26, 1986. It was on Prism Network, and it featured Gorilla and Dick Graham on commentary, which is a great team. Oh, and it's boy. a bu- bunch of matches, but the title match is Hulk Hogan versus Adrian Adonis. Don't uh, you just love it, Steve? That's the main event. And uh, good news, uh, Lucas. We are doing this show, and we're doing it next. Um, so that brings us to the next part of, of this podcast, which is, what are we doing next week? And it's going to be this show. We had a lot of fun doing the 84 uh, Spectrum show that we did with Big John Stud in the main event. So we're going to do this um, episode next. And we kind of have the rest of the year kind of mapped out. And what we're going to do, uh, we're going to do this one next week. Uh, so there won't be a long break uh, in between. We're going to do this next week. Uh, and then two weeks after that, we're going to do SummerSlam or Survivor excuse me, Series. Survivor Series. I always say SummerSlam for some reason. Survivor Series 1988, uh, which Those will be double S's. Yeah, which will be great. Uh, and then we're going to do the um, 1987 Slammy Awards to celebrate our wow. one year anniversary. Uh, and then we're Beautiful. going to do the season finale. The season one finale of the 24 inch podcast is going to be no holds barred, the match and the movie. Uh, so that's what we got for the rest of the year. Uh, which is some some really good stuff. You excited about and all that, ask, Dave? To ask, answer Dick Graham's question, I do love it. This is good stuff, uh, and it's coinciding with uh, the holidays because the Survivor Series coming up will be hitting right around Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then of course the Slammies was a holiday event. The 1987 Slammies was on was in December, and we'll be covering that in December. And of course. Why have a Merry Christmas when you can have a no-holds-barred Christmas? Yeah. And that'll be hitting right around Christmas. So we're booked for the year. And uh, Dick Graham asked the question, don't I just love it? I just love it. But, hey, please keep uh, emailing us requests. We will get to them. Might not be the next show, but we'll do them. We're planning out 26 shows for season two, uh, you know, wide open. Uh, So we will uh, definitely, definitely get to it. 24 inch podcast at gmail.com. Dave, one other thing I wanted to announce uh, before we leave today. Um, 80swrestlingcon.com. Uh, go to that website, 80swrestlingcon.com. It's 80 and then S and then wrestling con. Uh, they are have been doing a lot of virtual signings, and Dave actually knows the guy who runs this, a guy named Tommy. Yeah. From New My Jersey. very dear, close, personal, longtime friend, Tommy Fierro. I'll be seeing him this Sunday. And the they, team, brother. They had Wrestling Con 1 uh, a few years ago. And then, unfortunately, because of COVID and all that, uh, they didn't have it. Uh, but Wrestling Con, 80s Wrestling Con. This uh, is number three coming up. That uh, it, we, yeah. we fit two in before COVID. Okay, so the first two have happened. They haven't done three yet. But they're doing it in May, and the 24-inch podcast is going to be there live. Whoa. Uh, we're going to get a table, if not two, but definitely a table. Um, 
and uh, we'll be there handing stuff out, saying hello, meeting everybody, promoting the show. Um, and if you want an autographed picture of Steve Bennett, it's only $75. Tell me that. We'll have photos there. Yeah. Hollywood Dave Rollins will be $85. Now we're kidding. We're kidding. Yeah. kidding. No, we're really $150. Really excited to be there with the likes of Jesse Ventura, who's been announced. Um, and it's tired of looking at the website because he's got so much going on at once. I don't know what's um, a virtual signing and what's for the con. But I know for sure that... It'll it'll end up being a who's who. Jesse like Ventura is well, there. Uh, but it's the perfect. The number one. It's perfect for us because... It's, this is our audience, right? So it's a great way for us to get somewhere where everyone we're meeting is someone who would be interested in this show. So I just wanted to mention... No, no CM Punk fans, brother. Not even CM Punk fans are allowed. That's yeah. how nice we are here. It, it's, it's in May. We'll talk about it more, but I just wanted to throw it out there. We can maybe see... We can ask some people if they know where wrestling buddies are because that's what we're looking for. Yeah, Paula really wants a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy. So if you got a, a lead on one, uh, email us. Let me see what I can do about that. All right, with all that said, I just ask one more thing, and that's for everyone to say their prayers and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother. Sweetie, sweetie. Boom.